Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is July 1st. Happy July. And it's 2019. 7 1 2019. And it feels great to be an American today, doesn't it? Because as I hinted throughout the week, and specifically on Friday, that this weekend would be incredible. And it has been. It has been a victory for the United States to show what the golden age really means and how peace takes a lot more strength than war. And we can see the, well, let me just rewind. I thoroughly enjoyed watching the mainstream media globally lose their mind when President Trump went to North Korea. They lost their mind. They didn't know how to respond, what to say, how to say it. Uh, All they would mention is, you know, oh, he's embracing the dictator. Oh, this is ridiculous, you know, or wow, I can't believe he's doing this. And how he undermined his own uh, high level officials by doing so. In other words, he's rogue, and he shouldn't have done it. It could have been detrimental. This is all you would hear globally, uh, not just domestically, which you would expect, But globally, that was the sound that you would hear uh, when the whole meeting happened. And you also heard Jim Acosta complaining and saying how he heard from sources that White House press, which means he was not invited, which is awesome. So where do we go with all uh, of what happened, right? What do we say? How do we respond? Um, And what is really going on? Today is going to be a fun show. So first of all, we're kind of going to analyze what happened over the weekend, talk about the meeting that everyone anticipated, which was between Turkey and President Trump, because that was the important uh, meeting that was supposed to be coming out of the G20. I'll reiterate things that I've been saying over the past couple weeks, kind of now we can see it. So it's always that the past will show you what's going on today so you can understand what's coming up tomorrow. So I'll put everything into, uh, you know, kind of more streamlined, uh, focus on the fact that there was a missile that landed in occupied Cyprus, right? Not Northern Cyprus. It's called occupied Cyprus. Only Turkey recognizes it as its own. It's occupied. Talk about the similarities with Crimea on that. We'll talk about that too. 
And then we're going to get into numbers. So over the weekend, I was extremely busy, you know, with my little groups talking math. And so yesterday there was a conversation that we were having online, kind of putting together some uh, algorithm to predict something in regards to uh, politics that are occurring in Asia. And someone said, hey, uh, you know, I kind of thought of it like, what's your favorite number or what number comes to you when you first think about it? And you know what was really odd? A really good friend of mine uh, that I talk about all the time. He's a reporter. Uh, I absolutely adore him. Asked me once, uh, maybe it was a couple weeks ago. What number sings to you? Like, what is your, what number do you identify with? And I thought, what a weird question. It was totally out of the blue. And so yesterday's conversation got me thinking. And I thought we could talk about the nine. See, nobody talks about that. So we'll talk about that. That's a little bit fringy altitude, about 40,000 feet. But I think we should just kind of talk about it. Because maybe things will... uh, kind of flow. How does that sound? Because it's, it's important for us to understand once we can see what is going on now and understand how nefarious and um, shadow actions occur globally, then we can understand more magical things. Uh, magical things in respects of um, how things are not what they seem. Uh, We've kind of talked about it before, how definitions are uh, changed and skewed, how history is being rewritten by repeating wrong facts and how the mainstream media, the mockingbird media, reinforces that notion uh, that repetition uh, didn't you always remember to remember a fact what do you do you repeat it right if you want to remember a phone number you repeat it until it sticks and it's the same thing with facts when you're memorizing for school or college right you would pull out flashcards and and memorize axioms theorems formulas if you were you know into math or physics or chemistry right or reactions or you know as a chemist you would know how many electrons you know one element has where does it sit on the periodic table these are all through repetition so it's through repetition and mockingbird effects that we store knowledge or replace knowledge we already had with something else so memory is something that uh, the mainstream media banks that you don't have. And more so because it's so subtly done over time that you forget about it. It's kind of like where I reminded all of you about Scooter Libby and how, you know, James Comey went from being a U.S. attorney for, you know, a year and somewhat months, suddenly became acting attorney general of the United States out of the blue with no other career under his belt. See, no one remembered that. No one paid attention to that. No one understood that, hey, wait, 
Comey became acting attorney general with absolutely zero experience. And his first job working with Mueller was doing what? Putting in a special counsel. And now when we reverse the roles in 2019, we have Mueller being the special counsel that Comey wanted to implement, but was implemented by other people by Comey because Comey was fired. Sounds really familiar. Sounds like a pattern. So that's something that, you know, you know, we need to remember that our memory is our reference. So when you hear something and it just doesn't sound right, it sounds a little bit off, sit back and think about it before you replace the knowledge you know with knowledge that you're being provided. And um, I think that is really, really important for people to understand because they bank on you not having memory. Mm. I want to rewind to 2018. In 2018, Andy No again, was at a protest. Andy No was, again, attacked, just like we saw this weekend, right, where they were throwing cement at him, where they were attacking him, and all he was doing was covering Well, if you guys actually look on Twitter, you'll see that the people that attacked him this weekend were also incorporated in the attacks last year in the same method, same MO, same, same, same. Pull up the articles. It just through Twitter, go to top stories, put, um, uh, Andy, no, Uh, or Antifa Portland 2018. I believe I have one of them so I can possibly tweet it out. But if we actually paid attention to more of what has gone on in the past, you will yourself be able to predict what is to come. And this isn't just about politics. This is in your everyday life. Um, It's kind of like, you remember how we're always told, well, (laughs) We're always told, uh, follow your gut, right? Follow your gut because your gut is your actual memory. Does that make sense? Your gut is what tells you what is really going on. Well, your gut can tell you a lot, okay? If you pay attention to it and your gut is your thoughts, your memory, right? So when I saw what happened to Andy, no, my gut was like, mm, that looks very familiar. That purple haired girl looks very familiar. That picture of him with a backpack with white stuff all over it looks really, really familiar. And I thought, same MO, really weird. And my gut never lies. And I am tweeting that out for you uh, just so you guys can see it. It's from 2018. And you will see that it really looks odd, doesn't it? Eerily familiar as if Antifa have the same MO and they strike in the same place to the same people constantly. So 
I just tweeted that out. If you're not following me, I'm on Twitter at Tori underscore says S A Y S. So T O R E underscore S A Y S. And I've just tweeted that out for you guys to see just how eerily creepy it is that the left repeats, constantly repeats their tactics of attacks. Um, in almost every way, actually, which is pretty crazy if you think about it. Repetition. So repetition we've seen uh, from the way they act uh, toward our president, right? Repetition. So first it's, you know, sexist, bigot, racist, crazy. Then, you know, rinse and repeat. Uh, The same thing goes for a lot of things that they have been purporting to uh, in regards to people and how to act and how to stand and what to say. It's kind of repetition. And if you look at it, you have to understand that repeating numbers or repeating actions are something that tell you a lot more about a situation than anything else. The repetition Okay, the repetition is what counts. And I, I'm, I'm repeating this repetition, right? Because repetition creates memories and memories create your factual database. Okay, so let's see. What was I repeating for over a week? What is going on with South Korea? Why are they so quiet? Why haven't we heard anything? What's going on? Right? Why? Because unbeknownst to many, before the G20 summit, and I was kind of pointing it out, we had Pompeo and special envoys traveling about. I noticed that Saudi Arabia had arrived to South Korea last week, or it was the week, it was the Monday last week and Friday, and they had discussions with Moon. They all had discussions. Same thing went with Japan. Same thing went with, you know, China. That the prince, the crown prince himself, not his envoys, himself would visit these nations and talk. Word on the street has it that he's had conversations with Kim Jong-un as well. So here we are finding allies in the most oddest places, right? Because... One thing people seem to forget is love and hate is very close. It's almost the same emotion, right? How many of you had hated someone's guts so much just because it could have been a boy, a girl when you were young, whatever, and you loathe them, not maybe because you were jealous, maybe because you were provided wrong information, maybe because someone said, oh, you know, that person's like this, 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 and you're like, totally hate them with you. I'm on it. And you hated them or loathe them, or dislike them, or anything negative towards them. And then when you meet them, and you guys kind of sit naked in the room, not literally, you know what I mean, cards on the table and you're talking, you realize, dude, you're not so bad. We could definitely get along. Okay, we see eye to eye on this. I like this. We see eye to eye on this. I like that too. So how do we fix this? From there, become the best relationships ever. So statistics show that if you become friends or um, form a relationship or, you know, start dating or marry someone um, that you in the past did not get along with, did not like, uh, hated, that bond is stronger than one where people meet on more uh, nicer terms and happiest terms because it's the, the bonds are forged with a history, a deeper 
and more rugged history. So there is more what? Compassion because you understood their situation of being so evil or bad before. So there's that. Then there's the um, understanding of position. So you know where they are today because you know where they came from yesterday. So all the hurt they caused you or all the malice between you um, has been buried. Even though sometimes you might turn around and say, well, you remember back in the day, like spiteful because we're only human. It's still a stronger bond than, you know, meeting and saying, oh, we have a great relationship. Yeah, we're totally friends. And, you know, you kind of sit at the table and you both look at different directions, but you're fine hanging out. Make sense? So this is what we're seeing. I'm trying to break down what we are seeing. We are seeing allies in the most unexpected places. We are seeing movements on the chessboard that have never been seen. I mean, it's like the rook just took it. Right? That move where you swap. That's the rook. And this is what we saw this weekend. And like I said on Friday, this weekend is going to be very exciting. Because, yes, five days ago, no, six, six, seven days ago, we had had conversations to create a new meeting with North Korea. Now, that was leaked, right? That was leaked by foreign press. And they said that the markets last week took a little bit of a tumble on open because North Korea didn't want to meet. I mean, you can go search this. This is valid information. It was reported, I think, by Bloomberg, China. I'm not sure. Um, But I'll find it for you and retweet it. So people knew that there were conversations happening. They were so stealthy that very few people leaked information. uh, And it was found out. I mean, obviously, if the crown prince of Saudi Arabia is arriving and envoys of, you know, the United States and Pompeo popping around the world, uh, someone's going to catch whiff of it, right? It's not like they take the subway. So having said that, the president did something incredible. Aside from being the first U.S. president to step on North Korean soil, he validated the notion that Twitter is a public utility. And therefore, how did he do this? We just had two nations court and commit to meeting through Twitter. Communication, kind of like a telephone. So banning people from your platform, which is supposed to be a mode of communication, can be seen to be equivalent to that of banning someone from using Verizon services, AT&T, house phones, cell phones, whatever, ISP providers, that they would discriminate against you. And not allow you to use their services because they do not like what message you have or what you stand for. Means they're poking into your communications, listening in on your phone calls and saying, I don't like what you're saying, so you're not using my service. Now one will say, well, that's not what Twitter is. Well, kind of is. Kind of is a public utility when you have two leaders hooking up and having an impromptu meeting via Twitter. So here is where we take the step and say, either you get stripped of your 230 immunity and uh, be acknowledged as a publisher and then you can censor everything you want, 
as you want. And you can have this in echo chamber for the left because the right will simply walk away. Or you allow everyone and anyone to be on that platform. The only thing that you can, I don't know, censor would be graphic images or people committing suicide online or I don't know, whatever else, you know, maybe gory. Other than that, whatever someone says is their business. And just like your cell phone, just like your house phone, just like your internet, it's always monitored. Remember, how is it when you say keywords, if you say words like bomb and, you know, state officials' names and whatnot, you might have black vans at your door? Same thing will apply to Twitter and Facebook. So I don't know why Jack is hiring a bunch of people that think one way, insanely one way, and then they decide who can use it. That is a publisher's action. So here is where we can provide stripping them the immunity of 230 and have them as publishers. Now, it's a double-edged sword because if we demand an internet bill of rights, then we can allow them to keep their 230 immunity. That is how we go forward. By stripping them of their rights to be immune under 230, they are recognizing that they are publishers and therefore these platforms are no longer going to be the platforms we use today. It'll be different. It'll be completely different. They will have the option to shut you down. They will create the echo chamber and it'll take a few years. But in the meantime, until there's that adjustment period, they will win. They will have dominance over the platform. They will be doing what they wish. Now, Twitter has gone to the extent from what I've heard and what I've known is they not only ban you from their platform, but they actually collaborate with cell phone companies uh, and they get information about your devices. So there are people that have been banned from the platform and Twitter marks their MAC address. I think that's borderline illegal. What do you think? I think that's actually illegal. So Twitter is now... Um, targeting phones to lock them. So if you get banned from Twitter, they can put it so that you can't even pull up tweets. They get your hardware information in order to do so. And uh, testing this theory, I can tell you that if you buy a new cell phone, you can suddenly see tweets again. So it's your device that they target. So the question is, how far in bed is big tech? I mean, if Twitter can get your hardware's ID and match it to your connections, what does that say about privacy? This is a big deal, okay? This is a very big deal. Now, I am, uh, so two things here, right? One, I'm not for the 230 immunity to be dropped. I'm not, because if they're publishers and that is deemed so, then they will regulate discourse on internet platforms going forward. We will not win. You will think you win because they'll pay fines and ha, you have no immunity. But in the end, you're the loser because we can't use the platforms that we've been accustomed to for 10 years and we'll have to migrate. The key here is to demand an internet bill of rights and make sure we uphold them. And our president just gave us the biggest present by booking, and I'm air quoting this meeting supposedly with North Korea, over Twitter. It's a public utility. And if it's a public utility, 
independent persons that the company appoints cannot be the moderators. It would have to be someone from the Federal Communications Center, you know, and they would have to be federally appointed so that way they can uphold the rights and the notions of the U.S. Constitution, not some granola munching, Birkenstock wearing, you know, gender confused person on the other end. So that's one. But two is the violation of privacy. You understand that when they ban certain people from the internet, like Milo, like Laura, like Alex Jones, they're not only banned to access Twitter, but they've banned their devices. Now, for someone to have your device address and utilize that to block it takes different measures. That that means that they are taking separate steps and have platforms, listen, platforms with the manufacturers of these phone companies. Are you getting how far this is? This means that they have access to your phone. You know how uh, I joked about the fact that Secret Service had called me after I gave them like a credible threat information. Okay, so I was like literally in the bathroom and I was just like, okay, I'm not picking that up because it's a government phone and I put it there and I put it away from me because I was like, oh my gosh, they're probably tapping in the camera so they'll be patient. And they were because when they have your device address, they can access your camera and your microphone instantly. They don't need you to tweet about it. They don't need you to turn on some voice recorder. When someone has the actual address of your phone, you know, and be able to turn on and off services means that they can access your microphone, your camera, your messages, your emails. They can access everything. Are you understanding that? This is, you know, when I was talking with one of the individuals on the phone yesterday, um, I was shocked because I was heading into dinner as you guys, whoever follows me on Twitter saw that I downed like a bunch of sashimi yesterday. But right before I headed into dinner, when I spoke with this individual, I was just like, what? And it kind of sat on me and I was like, wait a minute. Um, that's a big problem. So right after this break, we're going to break down. Japan, I can't believe this half hour just went like that. Japan, G20 summit. What happened with South Korea, North Korea, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, and what's going on in Turkey today with exploding missiles. See you in a bit. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switch to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it. But we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855 700 2978 
That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is That's with the patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. Again, I'm here Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 Eastern Time. So what I was telling you earlier in the show, and the half hour just ran away with me, is to keep your, trust your gut, and your gut is usually relied on memory, and I've kind of spoken about this before, uh, you know, there's also, you know, some weird connection to the point that you do know that your gut literally has an independent neuronal system, not saying that it's like, it's like a mini brain just to function your GI, and it's separate, so it's kind of cool how people say trust your gut, um, and don't overthink things, kind of like, like, maybe we have memory stored in our in our you know GI feedback loop uh, that our neuronal system has like on a separate you know um, section it's actually separated but connected it's 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 odd so just trust your gut when you hear things see things and are told things because it's very easy like we said through repetition to forget actual history factual history and events so G20 summit. It was incredible. You guys, I had so much fun and it sounds really, really uh, childish to say, but I had incredible fun trolling the left. They were, they were just losing their minds. Al Jazeera. I have a clip that I want to play for you. They lost their mind. Uh, you know, The talks were incredible, but I wanted to tell you about Turkey. Remember how I was saying all last week, Turkey is the most important conversation we're going to have. Turkey is the key here. Everybody on the planet is looking at, hey, what is President Trump and, uh, you know, Turkey going to talk about except for the United States? No one really looked into that. They were like, yeah, whatever. Um, So here's where we get into what happened in Turkey. Okay. It's pretty incredible. 
So we had them sit down and talk, supposedly. But let's talk about what happened before that, because the media lost their mind. First of all, first of all, the media lost their mind because when President Trump entered to take the class picture, right, the class picture at the um, summit, he walked in with Putin, right? He walked in. So as he's walking in, he's like super chummy and talking with Putin and he walks to where Putin is and they're like, oh, no, 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 um, you're, you're not here. He Moon runs up to him, South Korea. I think I reiterated this on Friday, right? He ran up to him, said, hey, whatever. And then Abe said, here's where you're standing. So the president stands there right and next to him is Erdogan from Turkey here's where the key important thing is hmm. so I'm going to take a hiatus there right before the G20 summit uh, Turkey their court finds the U.S. Um, citizen that they had going through court um, not guilty and they release him basically from house arrest and they just you know you can go now so they released a hostage okay let's just say it in the way it is all right let's not dilly dally and say oh they went to court in this they released a hostage so turkey released a hostage before the g20 summit not only that turkey had the G20 summit swap their spot with China. So it should have been in the picture, China, you know, Xi, Trump, MBS, right? Instead, it was Erdogan, Trump, MBS. Now, when Trump arrived to his spot, he saw the Chinese mark and it was Erdogan standing there. Erdogan reached out his hand to shake Donald Trump's hand Guess what our president did? He swatted him and patted him on the shoulder like, yeah, whatever, buddy. And turns around and starts having a conversation with the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. Because remember, the two weeks prior to the G20 summit, Saudi Arabia, the United States, envoys from Iran, Russia, all of these countries were visiting with who? China, Japan, South Korea, and conversations with North Korea and India. So they were all about Asia. So they had all sent envoys to Asia. That was a big deal. Okay. So huge deal. They're still having a conversation talking about this. You can clearly see that he's making the swap finger saying, yeah, the dude swapped his position with President Xi. President Xi from China literally walks up to President Trump right before the class photo to see who took his spot and why it was changed last minute. You totally know he did that. And he shook his hand and walked off. Didn't say anything else to anybody else. Now, that is a very big deal. Erdogan tried to do everything to be in President Trump's orbit because he knows he's got problems. Now, I'll tell you a short problem, kind of keeping it sweet, kind of keeping it simple, okay? Keeping it super simple on this one. Remember how everyone keeps saying about the annexation of Crimea by Russia? How they wanted to annex them, how they wanted to, you know, be their back support, be um, uh, kind of helped by Russia. And so Crimea would be kind of under their wing and everyone's like, it was an illegal annexation, blah, 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 blah. Remember that? Okay. In 1974, Greece attempted to annex Cyprus, meaning they wanted to take Cyprus under their wing because they were all Greeks anyway, right? And they were just living in Cyprus and they had been taken over by the crown. So this is like history, right? Blah, blah. So Greece is annexing Cyprus and Turkey's like, uh-uh, no, you don't. We're taking it. And they invaded Cyprus, just so you guys know. 
So what Russia was doing to Crimea was wrong, but what Greece was doing to Cyprus was okay. Now, annexations like this happen when there's a formidable... Um, no, let's just say a deep-seated history between two uh, geographical locations. Uh, they work together. Their citizens are one. They want to maintain their independence, but at the same time, they're codependent because they share language, they share laws, or you know, they share history, and they want to be part of each other, kind of like the way we annex Puerto Rico, okay? So... Puerto Rico, basically, we own them. They have so much debt, they're owned by the U.S. I wonder why they're not a star in our flag yet. But anyway, I digress. So the annexation of Cyprus was totally supported by the whole world, but the annexation of Russia was not. We just need to be paying attention a little bit more. Okay? Now, Turkey invaded Cyprus, literally took it over saying Greece is not allowed to annex them because Cyprus is theirs. It's their territory, kind of like how everywhere else is their territory, right? I, I went through that on Friday because this is actual history. So here's what happened, you know, just, you know, in the past like 12 hours, a missile landed and exploded in northern in the northern area of Cyprus which is the occupied territory of Turkey Turkey has occupied that territory now first things first i just want to say that the british television uh, british news outlets and french ones are claiming it northern cyprus and they're recognizing it as a legitimate state of turkey while the rest of the world especially Russian times, Greece, um, Arab, Al, Al Jazeera, all of them are saying it's occupied and that Turkey is the only one that recognizes it as theirs. So the story goes that this is a Syrian, a missile shot from Syria that's Russian and it's an S-200 and they have a portion of it and they're like, yo, look, it's right here and it's totally Russian and the Syrians shot it and uh, that's because the Syrians were um, deflecting um, a missile shot by Israel that killed a baby in southern Syria, okay? But here's the really weird part. First of all, my sources on the ground, because I got some stellar sources, obviously, tell me that this was a plane that was shot down, not a missile. Second, the picture that they're posing with on Facebook, the pictures that actually went around, made rounds, is actually from July 2018. Okay? So it is a July 2018 photo claiming that it's an S-200 missile. Are you paying attention? So there's a, um, there's a person named Kudret Osirze, uh, uh, a Turk from occupied Turkey, that was posing with the same piece of missile from 2018, and this is what's making rounds as having been found. We paying attention now. So I want to state something again. When you see something out of place and it reminds you something, kind of like that Andy No thing that I tweeted out. I tweeted out uh, when I saw Andy No's video and I love Andy, right? He's like my favorite gay man. Well, after Milo's my favorite faggot, I'm going to tell you that. He is the best. He's a queen. He's, he's nasty. I love him because he's him, okay? Then comes Andy. I love Andy because he's so sweet and so kind, you know, um, but he's also savage. But anyway, when I saw the picture with his backpack, immediately my gut said, wait a minute, I've seen this before. 
So the minute I saw the news early, early this morning, I kind of just surfed through. I kind of looked through and I was like, I've seen this before. And yes, I did. July 2018. And that's what's weird. Because a web page, Bayrak, has that picture. The mainstream media are pushing the same picture. And that is a missile that supposedly hit in 2018 through one of their efforts of testing missiles, not coming from Syria. So it seems like all of this is manufactured by the manufactured and fake government of the northern area of Cyprus. So it's really Weird. Now, there is no actual official, official statement from the occupied territory of Cyprus, but I can tell you that the pictures that are flying around as part of the missile that Sky News put out, that BBC put out, are from July of 2018. That is uh, from an S-200 missile, and it's from um, Gaziantep. Uh, so specifically, so it is really weird how your gut works, right? It's really, really weird. And the thing is, it was a flying object that was hit. And people are saying that it was an aircraft. So um, I don't know if it was, you know, um, Libya, or if it was Greece, or um, but apparently uh, there was a violation into a Greek and um, Lebanese air um, this weekend. And also there is a spy craft, uh, you know, like a craft that, you know, monitors. Uh, it's a surveillance plane, right? Uh, it is, it was found, it's the Turkish Air Force E-7. It's called the Peace Eagle. It's flying over southern um, southern Turkey, Cyprus, Syria, Israel. So it's one of those planes that surveil, okay? And it's been in flight. So it's a pretty big deal that that is up in the air. And then something gets shot down and they're pushing pictures from July 2018. So it's kind of like the cages thing. Cages from 2015 pushed around as if they're today. And now they're saying it's a missile. But it's like, wait a minute. You had spy aircraft going around into international and non-international waters invading other people's airspace. And then it gets shot down. Um, I don't know what to think right now. So that's a big deal. So I've said that Turkey is the problem. I've been saying this since November. Okay. That war will be brewing from there. No one listens. I'm going to play a clip from Euronews. Um, and this is from, you know, 15 days ago, what the EU Mediterranean states were saying about the dispute with Turkey. Take a listen. At a summit in Malta, the EU's Mediterranean leaders have backed up Cyprus in its dispute with Turkey over lucrative offshore gas reserves. Earlier this week, Cyprus said it had issued arrest warrants for the crew of a Turkish drilling ship, which it said had infringed on its territory. I want to reiterate my solidarity with Cyprus and my support and respect for its sovereignty. Turkey must stop its illegal activities in Cyprus's exclusive economic zone. The European Union will not show weakness in this matter. But Turkey says it has the legal right to conduct energy research in waters off Cyprus. Malta's Prime Minister also addressed migration from Africa at the summit. We have agreed that we will continue to press at European level the issue of migration. 
the issue of migration, which cannot be decoupled from the uh, reforms and changes to Schengen and to freedom of movement. We have also reiterated that points related to Africa and African policy should not be only related to migration, but Africa needs to be taken within a global context. Turkey invaded the northern third of the island of Cyprus in 1974. Decades later, the island still hosts a UN peacekeeping force which separates Greek Cypriots in the south from Turkish Cypriots in the north. Okay, so two important things in this clip, which was really odd, right? So first of all, this is Europe saying that they're going to hold Turkey accountable for what they're doing. And, you know, Cyprus said that they issued arrest warrants for that first drilling ship. In the meantime, so this is from June 15th, the meeting in Malta, right? Mm-hmm. And so on June 26th, a second ship from Turkey was deployed to go drilling into Greece's and Cyprus's waters, and the EU is still doing nothing. But the key here, aside from the fact that they've recognized that they're occupied, that there's UN forces as buffer zones, and I've been there actually, it was pretty awesome. I crossed the border, I went into... Um, the occupied area. It was back in 1993, 1994 when I went. And I found it astounding how, you know, people that lived on the southern side of Cyprus had to like get their passport stamped and get a day visa to go and visit their property, which they can't even use or live on that has been in their families for generations. So I went with um, a family friend and kind of toured the area. It was so sad to watch. Um, especially the part where they had like burned down the churches and they like erected in one place. They had this church named St. Saint, saint Raphael um, after the St. Raphael and they had taken it down and they had put a mosque in its place. That was really, really sad. There, There's like absolutely no, I, I just, there's no words to just what I, what I saw. <laughs> but Remember what I always said, hey, Africa is going to be coming into the limelight. Here's where it is. It's not just about migration. They need to take Africa to the front. This is where it goes. Are you paying attention? I've said Turkey is key for what? Access to Africa. This is all coming together step by step. And North Korea plays a very big role in this. How? So North Korea was being utilized by the nine as a weapon. And uh, someone DM me and I see your DM. I just saw it flash through. I'm going to explain the nine. We're going to talk about numbers in the second half because it's going to be really interesting to kind of talk about numbers, to talk about things that people don't really talk about, um, you know, math. Because math is a universal language. Math is the answer to everything. So we'll get to it. But mathematically calculating, if you have hold of Turkey, you have hold of access to three continents. That is a big deal. And especially when Africa, so rich, so underdeveloped access, you know, that is incredible too. So remember that we've said this keep an eye on it. So what happened with President Trump and Erdogan? So aside from the fact that he swatted him, they sat down, they talked, right? They supposedly talked, they chatted. 
guess what? Their meeting only lasted 20 minutes. He did not sit with him more than 20 minutes. That is a very big deal. Meetings like that don't last 20 minutes. Leaders, when they meet, don't last 20 minutes. They last way longer. I'm reiterating that. A lot of people were like, well, you know, he said nice things. Of course he did. Of course he did. You're not going to say anything else. But here it is where Acosta starts asking, you know, President Trump about Khashoggi, right? Khashoggi, right? Who is a journalist, but Andy knows not. Thank you, Mike, for that comment. Loved it. Khashoggi is a journalist, but not Andy No. Um, you know, stood up t- to President Trump and started to pressure him and say, are you afraid of offending him on the subject of asking him about Khashoggi? He's like, not at all. I don't really care about offending people. I sort of thought you would know that. Take a listen to this clip. It was a big burn for Jim Acosta. Totally loved it. But here is where we need to be focusing on what they're pushing. Remember, Turkey had three items, the S-400s, Khashoggi, and the uh, death of the Egyptian president four years ago. Take a listen to Acosta. When you were asked about the case of Jamal Khashoggi, uh, you did not respond to that question in front of the, the Saudi I don't know conference. that anybody were asked me. Afraid of, uh, are yeah. you, were you afraid of offending him on that subject? No, not at all. I don't really care about offending people. I sort of thought you'd know that. That was awesome. That was a burn. That was amazing. Now, what did actually occur with South Korea? So there were a lot of conversations held with um, South Korea, more so on trade, more so on uniting the peninsula in regards to opening up the border. And, you know, we also saw the same happening with Kim Jong-un and President Trump. It was so awesome that there was more English being spoken at the North Korean border between Kim Jong-un and President Trump than we saw on the Democratic debates, huh? Right? And how natural was it when he was like, hey, yo, so like, can I step over? Whatever. And, you know, Kim Jong-un's, you know, interpreter was like, oh, it'll be like so incredible to make history being the first U.S. president on North Korean soil. And he was like, all right, so let's just do this. And they walked over and it was just awesome because you saw that the North Korean Secret Service was protecting our president. Okay. The North Korean media was all over it. I mean, they were protecting our president. You saw our secret service, their secret service working together to keep them both safe. I thought that was incredible. From there, you can see just how valued uh, their relation is because North Korea is free. The smile on Kim Jong-un's face, the uh, just looking at his secret service, the way they were protecting our president spoke volumes. Nothing else. That spoke volumes. And, you know, Kim Jong-un's round little face, all happy and stuff, you know, (laughs) speaks volumes. He has a very uh, peculiar walk, too. Uh, Anyway, that that for me was it. Considering that every other president before him would only look at North Korea through binoculars, our president not only went to the DMZ zone, but he went into North Korea. 
It kind of felt, I know it sounds really silly, but have you ever been at home where your friend just drops off and you're just like, oh my gosh, I have like coffee everywhere. I've got papers everywhere. I'm like not feeling to have guests right now because it's sort of a mess and I just want to sit here and binge watch, right? Ever have that? Yeah. Well, that's how I felt Kim Jong-un felt when he was walking to President Trump. Like, dude, I'd really like to have you over, but it's kind of messy right now. That's the vibe that I got, which was great because it shows that it was kind of impromptu, not so impromptu. I mean, when two leaders meet, they usually book it in advance a couple weeks. They don't just say, hey, um, you know, they don't like text message and say, yo, I'm coming over. You know, they have to plan it. They have to have security. And the fact that our president was so comfortable to do it in such, you know, in such a short period of time, because I knew about it on Tuesday, right, that this was going to happen from my sources. And that's still short time. Remember, I knew about the Queen's visit from like February, March, when I was telling you about it, and it was happening in June. So these things are widely orchestrated. They, it's security, this, that. So that was pretty awesome. Okay. That our president and our secret service felt comfortable relying on their security measures too. So, you know, that's pretty, but on the other hand, it's like, if anything happened to president Trump while he was there, North Korea would be obliterated. There would be like no question. So it's not like it would be in their best benefit either. Right. So that's what we, what we got from this summit was climate change is a blood money sucking, you know, a farce. Yes. Climate change does exist because throughout the history of time checking ice cores, climate change change, climate changes, and we are actually heading into a mini ice age, not a heat wave, okay? According to charts, we should be heading into a mini ice age, not, you know, melting polar caps. So, and polar caps actually melt every so often, I think every couple hundred years, only because they rebuild with the ice ages. So it's like a cycle. It's a circadian rhythm. Circadian rhythms are, you know, they're usually generically known as, uh, you know, a biological rhythm of when you have energy, when you don't. So it's kind of like a wave picture, like a sound wave, kind of like that, or a light wave. That's the same thing of our planet. It's a living biodome. So it itself has its air quote circadian type rhythm. And we're at the point where we're at the trough and we're heading into that ice age to then go to the peak again. So we're coming off the peak. Anyway, on that note, because this hour, uh, this hour has come to an end already, we have Netanyahu that's, um, that um, is meeting with the congressional delegation or met with the congressional delegations today. Um, we have uh, more news coming in in regards to policies. We're going to touch base on domestic concerns of the left because they're imploding. And then we're going to get into the math because that actually ties into the left implosion or what we like to call the fourth unelected branch of government a.k.a. The Nine. I'll see you all in just a bit after this short break. nation know, whether it wishes us well or ill, that we shall pay any price 
bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So this is the second half where we're going to kind of delve into um, things that you won't hear on the mainstream media and things not a lot of people talk about because not everyone's such a geek like me, I guess. But um, just to recap, just so you guys know, today is a whole nothing burger in regards to uh, what's being reiterated uh, by the mainstream media. It's more being butthurt that President Trump created history. He wrote history. And I retweeted on the day he stepped on North Korean soil a picture I put on Instagram. So he took a picture sitting in Winston Churchill's chair, right? And when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, dude, he's probably thinking what I would be thinking if I was sitting in Winston Churchill's chair, And what is that? Winston Churchill had made um, a specific statement. And he said um, that history would look kindly upon him uh, because he intends to write it. And that is exactly what President Trump, okay, uh, is doing. Because he, Winston Churchill was right. History will be kind to those that intend to write it, because he said, history will be kind to me because I intend to write it. Winston Churchill was activated twice as prime minister, both times during a time of war, during a time where it was a battle to see if they would actually implement the plan. The plan, not... not, um, It was a big deal. I'm going to have to be a little bit more careful with my words here. But remember, 1947, the CIA was created. And there was one piece of advice when Churchill was back as prime minister that he had said to Eisenhower when he was president. He said, never, ever give control to one node, one area, because if you don't have a buffer for that, if you don't have any oversight, you lose it. And this was something that found that I found curious when looking into different historical things. And this is like a hobby thing, okay, guys? I, it's just stuff that I love because I guess because I like math so much and I use it for predictive models and hobby-wise, right? I don't get paid for that kind of stuff. You know, history is fascinating because when you look at it, it's literally talking to you in numbers of probability of it reoccurring. And the fact 
that Winston Churchill was a good guy turned bad guy turned good guy turned bad guy turned good guy that was actually the deliverer of wars that were not what we think they are is super curious but you know heroes and you know are never saints right that's that's the way it is heroes are never saints and it's kind of like even in for those of you who are christian the person that sends that that delivers the message of god is never a monk never someone so pure and loving it's usually the sinner sinners are usually the ones that can embody the word of god and good and convey it to others better than those that supposedly live you know a sinless life so uh, just remember that never ever you know it was mary magdalene the the prostitute it was you know peter the fisherman that stole things right these are the things that we have to look at it was never the righteous it was the sinners that would be able to convey good now having that in mind huawei evil or good so huawei is a hot topic talking 5g talking spy talking uh hardware talking 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 what is going on with huawei and i will be breaking down huawei at the end of this week as I've received some really cool information about it that I didn't know uh, over the weekend that needs a little bit more digging from sources that I have. And it seemed really interesting as to why we're so obsessed with Huawei, why, um, you know, China is so obsessed with Huawei. One would say, oh, it's about the money, but it's bigger than that. And it has to do with our Space Force, has to do with our 5G, has to do with some really interesting things. And it seems that um, it's so contradicting because you had the CEO of Huawei come out and say, you know, he rebuked basically Canada and saying, ooh, you're so foolish to, you know, extradite the CFO, Ms. Meng, but we're still committed to doing your tech research in Canada with Huawei and it's like wait a minute you're angry but you're still going to work with them what is going on here right it's like if someone was going to hand over my chief financial officer to another country you know for whatever reason and I'm angry at them I'm probably not going to be doing business with them so that one thing kind of had me dig into a couple sources. Most of them came from South Korea, which was weird. And um, some information that came out of Taipei for me. And Russia. It was just really weird. So we'll get into that. I just wanted to mention it so you guys have the little earwig to kind of think about it. Now, what I wanted to do before I um, begin talking about numbers, which is important, and analyzing things, and talking about the nine, something people haven't heard. I want to play a clip from the joint press conference that President Trump had with uh, President Moon. Take a listen. Thinking, hey, I'm here. Let's see whether or not we can say hello to Kim Jong-un. And uh, I put out the word, and he got back. And he wanted to do it from the beginning, and so did I. 
But there's a lot of good feeling, you know, when sometimes the, the media will say, gee, what's happened? Well, they know what's happened. What's happened is uh, there was nuclear testing, there was ballistic missile testing, uh, they had hostages of ours, as you know, a very tough situation. And now we're getting back our remains. We got back the hostages. There's been no ballistic missile tests, and, and there's been no nuclear tests. And South Korea is a whole different place. And Japan, Prime Minister Abe was telling me, Japan is a whole different place. They had missiles going over Japan on a very constant basis. You know that very well. So I hate to hear the media, you know, give false information to the public when they say, oh, what's been done? What's been done? A lot's been done. And there's also a good feeling. I can tell you on behalf of President Moon, he feels much better about even Chairman Kim. I mean, he feels much better. Uh, they couldn't have meetings. Nobody was going to meet. Uh, President Obama wanted to meet, and Chairman Kim would not meet him. The Obama administration was begging for a meeting. They were begging for meetings constantly. And Chairman Kim would not meet with him. And for some reason, we have a certain chemistry or whatever. Now, let's see what happens. We have a long way to go. But I'm in no rush. The sanctions are on. And I'm in no rush. I'm in no rush with Iran. I'm never in a rush. Guys, did you hear that? It's just a good feeling. Remember what I told you? I'd, I'd urge you to just look back at the videos where all the media were rushing and piling on like rabid dogs, you know, uh, to try to get a picture. And look at Chairman Kim's Secret Service, how they protected our president, how smiley they were and how they were meshing together and how they made it happen and they wanted to make it happen. How Obama begged to meet with Chairman Kim because he wanted to set Hillary up. He wanted to create that foundation and he said, no. How much peace he's brought because there's a good chemistry. Good chemistry. Do you know why? Because people respect people like Donald Trump. People respect People like Donald Trump that become president because they use their hardships, their their wins, their losses, uh, their um, business acumen, their ability to think on their feet and apply it to their country like a business because that is basically what it is. It is a business. And they respect him. We are respected. What was Obama? A limp-wristed idiot who came out of nowhere and was a lawyer. We don't need lawyers to run our country. We need Americans with grit. We need blue collar that, that work hard every day. Those are the people we need in the House. Those are the people we need in the Senate. We don't need bankers in the Senate. We don't need lawyers in the Senate or the House. What do we need? American, hardworking Americans, farmers, receptionists, uh, Walmart shelf stockers. Those are the people we need. The people that can identify with the people, the people that they can deliver the message. And ultimately we need someone that's really good at business and has bottom lines. We know president Trump. We've seen him on our TV for decades and those claiming, you know, they don't like president Trump anymore because he ran for president are just hurt. Why? Because they're probably jealous that he did it and they didn't. See, because if Mark Cuban ran, and I've met Mark Cuban, I wouldn't vote for him. Only because he doesn't have the same floor of ethics uh, to me 
that President Trump has. Whereas if I saw someone like, um, you know what, I don't want to name him, but he used to work for Microsoft and then created a card game called Exploding Kittens. He's, I, I've actually, those are the type of people that we need. Innovators, people that think outside the box, you know? And like I said, Yang is a great guy, but he's not for now. And I've told you to keep an eye on him and look at him coming up. He was the only one that came up and spoke about uh, North Korea and how great it is. Hmm? Hmm? What? He's the only one that came out and said, hey, anything to make peace is a great thing. None of the other Democrat candidates did. Said they're trying to push the race card. Oh, everyone's racially, how racist against Kamala Harris. It's like, oh, no one's being racist. She's just a person that would spread her legs and lies and lies and lies and uses her, you know, vagina card. Basically, that's what she's doing. I'm a woman. Oh, and I'm a little bit extra tan. So vote for me. No, it doesn't work like that. I'm sorry. We don't need people like you. What we need is people in California, right, to run, people in New York to run that have been taken on the short end of the stick. That's what we need. We need people that work, people that can roll up their sleeves and say, let's get to work. President Trump, he's a builder. And yes, silver spoon, whatever, but he grew up in a, in a house in Queens and his father made that business and he made sure that he would take that business to the next level and hoping his kids will continue that tradition. That is the American dream. That is what I dream that something I create, my children can take over and amplify it and their children can amplify because aside from just leaving out your DNA lineage, right? And leaving you're creating the future because your children are the future and molding them so they can take hold of the future, molding them fearlessly to move forward hmm, is the American dream. I think it's anybody's dream to know that you've contributed not only in your lifetime, but for lifetimes to come with what you've put out there. And it's not just your kids, but their ideologies and what they can contribute to society, right? So on that note, speaking of DNA lineage, I wanted to get a little bit more into numbers. So I've spoken before about the golden ratio and I've, um, you know, I've never been uh, shy to admit, you know, yep, I'm a polyglot. Yes. And I love math. Math is like a universal language. Love it. Love it. Love it. I'm probably the only person that understands um, YAML. YAML is, um, is, is, is a coding language, okay? Um, it's different in the sense that, you know, it's not something traditional. It's ain't markup language, <laughs> YAML. Uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. And it was the only one that had something called um, sexagesimal um coding, meaning, see, most of the numbers or the, okay, most of the algorithms and most of our math formulas are based on a base 10 system, like trigonometry is base 10, you know, everything's base 10. But from the times of the Babylonians, okay, we're talking way back when, 
It was always a base 60. And that's more so because it made sense because, you know, maybe they didn't have computers then. I mean, we're just being told that they didn't have computers, you know, and if they did have computers from back then until now, they've probably disintegrated and we don't have access to them, right? Because they've disappeared. Because right now, if there was a nuclear explosion in my city, nothing would remain standing because nothing has been built to stand. It's all sticks and stones. It would be eradicated, right? So thinking on, on that notion... The thing is, it's it's only got like, it's got five factors, basically. So you can actually, it's, it has 12, but um, you can use your hand, right? It's very, it's, it's, it's a highly composite number. It um, has uh, three prime numbers in it. Um, there's so many ways that base 60 is there. I mean, it's 60 minutes, 60 seconds, right? But for some reason, um, we're using base 10 rather than base 60 now. And this is ancient mathematics, okay? Back in the day mathematics. And the reason I do it, uh, I'm stating this is because I actually stumbled upon it years ago when I was um, trying to, well, I, I, you know, I'm a contractor and sometimes I get very ancient dialects that are being found by archaeologists and they kind of pull a lot of us to kind of make sense of some things. And uh, there was one um, uh, stone recovery that had, you know, Babylonian mathematical symbols on it. And so, you know, that was super interesting uh, because I was the only one that actually recognized it in the first place. They were like, what's this? And I was like, oh, that's simple. It's Babylonian math. And that led to other things and other things and other things. And kind of, you know, when you're doing your research and trying to figure things out, you stumble upon more. And the way it came about is, you know, my infatuation with the Fibonacci series and the golden ratio. The golden ratio is pretty much saying that there's a, um, a non-perfect symmetry that's perfect. You know, you would think that when you cut a paper in half, you know, it would be half and half is like the perfect ratio, right? To have symmetry, like you fold it in half. But in reality in life in in nature it's not it's not like a one to two or two to one you know something round it's actually a ratio of 1.61 that is the perfection so there's been many studies claiming how this golden ratio depicts beauty so the ratio between your height and your width um, not only for your body but your face the ratio of your facial features from, you know, your jawline, your brow bone, everything. And it depicts beauty. But beauty is having this symmetry, but the symmetry is not exact, meaning it's not exact symmetry. It's not like folding the paper in half to say, what is symmetry? Symmetry is what? Uh, an identical half, right? To the middle mean, the, 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 the how you make it copied, right? That's what you think of. Well, it's not exact. It's not supposed to be round. It's 1.61. That is what it is. And I've had a complete obsession with the golden ratio since I was a child. Um, and I remember 
heading off to the library as I did uh, in the fifth grade. And I would always go with a garbage bag. I know it sounds so weird, but I would like stock up on books. And there were a lot of books that I couldn't read or understand. Um, And I was studying trigonometry and, um, you know, Obviously, all of us know, you know, the traditional Greek uh, trigonometry, Euclid formulas, right? And I was looking at it and there were some like side notes in like this journal book, I still remember, where they were saying that, you know, it should be different, that, you know, it shouldn't be, you know, Cartesian, um, it shouldn't be, sorry, like uh, the way the Euclidean geometry is or how it should be. And that's like, you know, how it should be like in a general equation, but it should be based on like Cartesian analytical geometry. So it's kind of like points and then rationalizing the connections between these two points. So kind of like, you know, how we always say connect the dots. So it's more here are the points and then here's the line and here's the connection. And the reason I say this is because that is the way the golden ratio is kind of put. We've got points, we've got the line. So we're talking like in a math sentence. So when you're, you know, doing your whole, let's find the hypotenuse, you've got your C squared equals A squared plus B squared, right? But in a more rational approach, it would be like, well, I have point A, point B, and then A, B, and C, if I add them all together, would be this. So let's compare. That's how the golden ratio comes out. Because if you're saying I have point A and point B when you're folding a paper, okay, you know exactly where point A and point B are. And there, ergo, you know where the line of symmetry is. But if you take it on a more perspective of, let me step back. I've got this point and that point. What's the relationship or ratio with them that fits? Then this is where the golden ratio comes in. How the precision of it is. Now, why am I telling you this? Because math is a language and numbers are a language. Code binary ones and zeros you can say hexadecimal as well but those involve letters letters always represent numbers everything's based on numbers you know your genetic code based on numbers it's all math even your dna is dependent on the angles that it has and so much more so going back to what happened this weekend is uh someone on the chat board where we were plugging in some numbers to see and kind of try to determine what is going on in regards to this fourth branch of unelected government and determination of origins or how it's going forward. Let's put it this way. Someone was like, well, what's your favorite number? Like what number comes to your mind? Uh, Like at certain points of time, and and I challenge all of you that are listening There is a point in time where we think and we're like, my favorite number is this. So you can pick a number one through 10. And then just in general, any number from zero to infinity, if you would pick it. And it was really weird because two weeks ago, a really good friend of mine asked me. And I said, well, you know, throughout my lifetime, I guess, um, you know, 
the number five, the number 17, but the one number that always stuck with me was 322. 322, 323, because I remember one thing in my life that significant changes like um, where I was uh, going to for like work or an assignment or um, even my barrack number it was always the same numbers. You know, it was super weird. Even the flight numbers sometimes, they would always have at least two of the numbers. They would have like 22 or 23 or 33. So I would say like 322, 333, 323 were like my numbers. But if someone would ask, it's 322. And the the thing is, when I answered that question, um, it came back to me from something that I had read what, like two decades ago. And I remembered the nine. And here's the thing. So two decades ago, I was um, in India. It was before I got pregnant with my first child. And I had gone to India and then um, finished whatever I needed to do there and headed off to Goa for like two days. Like who doesn't want to go to Goa, right? And there I would just hang out with the locals. I'm that type of person that when I traveled, what I like to do is kind of go alone and just hang out with the locals and kind of mesh. Obviously, Hindi, not too good, but I know all the cuss words, so that's great. Um, My Punjab is way better. And um, I remember having a conversation uh, with some guy there, and he was telling me how how India and China are all headed in the same direction because they're independent of the nine. And I was thinking, who's the nine? Is this like a group? Is this like a cult? Like, what is it? And so his English was really bad. But what he was trying to elaborate to me was that it was a specific group of persons that ran the world. And I was like, Oh, a Rothschild theory thing, right? Okay, here's where we are at. So I just listened and kind of buried it in the back. And then when I was in London, you know, ready to explode pregnant, um, you know, I stumbled upon a book accidentally, which was talking about um, history. So it was history between the 700s and 1120 uh, AD. And I found it interesting that a lot of that wasn't around, the weird names like Senowulf and stuff, and it had stuff about the Knights Temple. So after this break, I'll go into what the Nine is and how interesting it is and why it's relevant now. I'll see you all in just a few. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. 
Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for MyPillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com my father stood before you to accept the nomination for the presidency of the united states So many of you came into public service because of him. In a very real sense, because of you, he is with us still. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Sess Show. So here's where we take elevation to 40,000 feet. So I stumbled upon this book that was talking about um, history in England and in Europe, you know, in the 700s to like the 1200s max. It was like 1120, if I remember to be exact. And what was cool was, is that there was a lot of stuff in there about, um, you know, uh, the Crusades, Christianity, the split between, you know, the Christian, the historical Christian church and the creation of the Catholic church and these really weird names, Athena Wolf, Senna Wolf, you know, and it's like, whoa, wow, England had some really weird, you know, names. They were very um, Viking-ish. Um, the land of Mercia, and it was just like so overwhelming. But here's one thing that stuck out. Apparently, um, it was referring to uh, a group of people that were 
the tribes of uh, the the nations. It was something super weird that I found and I kind of tried to delve into it, but there was very little information. So here's where it got pretty awesome. So it was talking about the apple of knowledge and it had a symbol of an apple bitten out that resembles identical to what we see from Apple Corp now, right? On our computers, on our phones or whatever. And it said that there were, um, there was um, the originating tribe um, of um, people that had this knowledge um, that were the Phrygians and, you know, the ancient Greeks. And it was passed on and passed on to all these different um, group of people. And so as it was, as I was reading it, what it said was, is that those knowledge, the people that took knowledge, which was very specific, uh, had spread out, and here's where it gets really weird, to these um, lands that we have no history of, uh, claiming, you know, Mayans, and, you know, it was just so weird. Uh, And then it ended up in the 1700s talking about the Freemasons. I was like, oh, I know about that. Let's go with that. What does it say? Then it was like, oh, in 1776 is where, you know, the Illuminati was created on May 1st, 1776. And I was like, well, hold on a second. I heard about that too. That's like super conspiracy, isn't it? So it was really weird because the Freemasons were separated from the Illuminati and that the Illuminati were taking a different course. And after they took their course, it was going in tangent. Then it's the CIA. And then in 1977, they became this unnamed entity. Okay. So in the end, this book showed that there were four groups, right? Ruling the world. Okay. This is what it was saying that, um, this is the way it was going forward, that it's four groups that rule the world. So here's where it gets really super weird. And this is why we're taking this flight into tinfoil hat land. So when we were doing our conclusions of where the fourth unelected government is coming from it all came from the same origination first of all right so obviously it's spread worldwide but we do notice that they have conflicting interests so you have to think like how does this work when were the points of time so here's where it gets super weird so we realized that there were key dates in changes uh throughout the globe and you know there, there were three that we identified and then the fourth one is undetermined And here's where we get to the nine, because the nine came into that. So first of all, we have 1776, obviously very important to the United States, right? We all know what happened then. But, uh, you know, a couple months before that, supposedly there was the formation of the supposed Illuminati, right? And then the big change is that the Freemasons took their own line and then went ahead and did something with the Georgia Guidestones. Big rabbit hole right there. Just, you know, that's their lineage, okay? This is how it came out broken down from this book. And then it was like from 1776, coming down to this unnamed shadow entity, it derives from the Supreme Council to the CIA to this unnamed entity. And remember, it's not CIA, it's CA, Central Agency, okay? Not intelligence. Intelligent. But then back in 1534, there was a big, huge uprise, if you guys remember, in Europe. 
where they had the uh, Inquisition, right? The Spanish Inquisition, where they were asking people, are you Muslim? Out. Are you this? Out. And they were killing people. Do you guys remember where they were getting them out during the time it was like Henry VII or whatever? So looking at it, it was like that's where the Jesuits were created. And so the Jesuits, it says, are another tribe that's leading. But then there's this unknown one ruled by nine people, nine people that derive from the Knights Temple. So I was kind of looking into it and apparently the people, okay, so here's where it gets really, really weird. So the people of the nine are actually nine. And so that's what I've understood from that book and from what I've known. But here's where it gets funny. So we were doing this math homework, I say, all of us, because we're more concerned in the African development and South American development. And obviously throughout the years that'll come, because when you when you try to determine the outcome of something that's so gray, like Africa, what's going to happen? Tons of investment, tons of slavery, tons of corruption, tons of war is going to be fought over that continent. What is the end game? And so you pick an end game and then we work it back with math. This is so weird. So as we were doing that math from every single angle, all of us, and this is like, it's, it's a group of about, you know, 25 people globally. And we've been doing this for years. We're sitting there and we're coming up with nine different nodes. And it was so weird because they kept coming out repetitively of nine nodes stemming from, uh, you know, incidents uh, at the same time, but nine of them simultaneously for every change of development. So that's where we got into this whole nine theory. And so one thing we noticed is that, okay, and this is going to be the real kicker, which was super weird is, okay, so you know that there's this thing called the nine and we have nine nodes. What is the whole basis of it? So apparently it's like, they're the custodians of uh, things that happen. So President Trump running, right? We had predicted his running back in, I think it was like 1998, 1999. And, you know, we had just started earlier than that back in 1995, 1994, where we were kind of connecting on IRC and doing all this stuff. Uh, so I've known these people for a very long time. Um, some of them actually have one foot in the grave already. But what's really weird is, is that it was predicted that he would, well, a figure like President Trump would come out, someone like this, because it's a decision thing. It's like a custodian thing. Custodian. And custodian, you know, what is it? It's a caretaker. It's someone that takes care of things. It's someone that, you know, you know, pets things, right? And keeps them calm and ordered and clean. Um, so custodian nodes are interesting. So when we predicted in the United States, there would be this custodian in 2017, we also saw that there were another eight nodes, you know, across, you know, the globe. And there were two in the Middle East, 
right? Um, and we don't know what countries, we just, you know, continent-wise from aggregated math that we do in regards to developments. And at that time, we had just finished a tanker wars. We had, you know, the whole Iran deal, the new pipelines, you know, Clinton's testimony, the, the whole rape scandal, but it was really consensual thing, right? So many factors. So it just determines geographically. So it was like the United States, two in the Middle East, and the rest were spread out throughout Asia. So nine of them. So that was the weird thing. So nine. So we discovered this weekend that on the prediction models that we've done to see where Africa would be and considering the information we have now and the supposed variables from different type of alternate, you know, oh, if we go in this direction, it'll be this if, you know. Again, there's nine nodes, nine, nine, everywhere, nine. But for Africa, the, the majority are in Europe and the singular external one. So weird, Australia, like what? So it was super weird. So whatever happens in Africa will be surrounded by caretakers of that are in Europe and Australia. So that was super weird. So as we were doing South America, which incorporates Central America too, we saw the same repetitive function. But then when we saw to see where the United States would be going forward, guys, all the nodes, all nine of them were concentrated in like nowhere, like geographically and how they would you know, statistically go because you always put every single country as a node, every single geographical location, I would say. So you have um, the United States. So you have North America, South America, you know, Australia, Antarctica, Europe, Africa, you always give them a value, right? The weird thing is that the value that we were coming up with in regards to the United States and the direction of politics and how it would go on a global scale in meeting was so weird because they were pretty much all nine nodes were in Antarctica. So why am I saying this? First of all, we noticed a pattern that the number nine would be constantly coming up. Second, we saw some really odd behavior in regards to the predictive models that are not 100%, right? Not even 50%. You can't say that. But they're good guidelines because, hey, so far, my crystal ball is pretty on spot, spot on, right? And this is short term that we're speaking, but long term, they're pretty good guidelines, right? So it was really, really weird. So when looking into it, uh, we noticed that if we actually added concerns of population explosions, uh, kind of like the ones that they have in China, where there's, you know, they have a temper on, you know, you can only have so many children, um, you know, population is a big problem in Asia. Uh, that was something that stemmed from when looking into the continent of Africa. So we injected the population explosion factor into Africa. And once that factor was implemented in Africa, the node shifted to the United States. So it was super weird. So basically the control of population, if there is a control in the population, meaning like, I don't know, like not having sex with everyone or people being sterile or infertile or, you know, then control of these nodes shifted, if that makes sense. So we noticed that population actually regulates these nodes and it doesn't even change their number. So as we were toggling around, we noticed that um, 
eugenics being injected into these algorithms. This is where it comes out to be like, whoa. Eugenics being injected into the algorithms uh, on a separate um, geographical locations would shift nine nodes. Again, nine, and we don't know why nine points of action would be, but they would always shift. And it always seemed to be that the if you would lower the population or have higher controls another way, so if you um, increase the controls of populations, like saying you can only have one kid or only these types of people can have kids or that, right? Or um, designer babies, because it's just one type of variable that you could put in. So you just have to think it incorporates everything. That's why I said this is kind of ballpark figure predictions, not actual. It indicated that then globalization would happen and the nodes would always shift to one control center like they would be on only one continent. So even though in our non-population control thing, eight of the nodes were in Europe and one was in um, Australia, when we looked into the Latin American aspect, right? I told you all the nodes shifted to Australia, all nine. The minute we injected any population control, everything, all the nodes would be sitting, like all nine spots would be sitting in North America. So here's where we go with this. So why am I saying this? First of all, the nine is really weird because it was actually brought up during research. Okay, I'll tell you why. So apparently, you know how they do genetic experiments, and you know I'm a scientist too. So there was a genetic experiment, uh, there, there were genetics, uh, and analyzing the genomes of uh, various um, fruits and vegetables. Here's where it gets really odd. So the apple actually was analyzed, and they found that it had 17 chromosomes. Um, which all had chromosomes within the chromosomes within the chromosomes. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because for some reason, when they were analyzing the genetic components of these apples, the golden apple specifically, and looking at it, they all had so many genes and whatnot, but the chromosomes were really weird because there were only 17 but they had a lot inside the 17. It was just the oddest thing that they had, had ever seen. So there were 17 chromosomes in the apple. So here is where there was a footnote in one of these research papers that was a myth, okay? Take this, this is how weird it is, that it was a myth from back in the days in India where some, you know, I don't know, Indian figure, I don't know, some godlike thing, it was like a myth, or story they would tell kids that um, the apple was the shape of the 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 knowledge and the keys to all knowledge and reaching nirvana or whatever. And then it also was making so that link had a reference to another link that was saying how Adam and Eve and tracing back to the tribes and tracing back to. The apple, and so here's where it gets really incredible and it's super confusing. Mathematically, when you look at um, the origin of Eve that has been done and they conducted it and took it back to one woman, right? One woman, one Eve, the first Eve, and there's a lot of research on that. The one thing they noticed is that 
her mitochondrial DNA, then that's how they traced it. At that time, obviously, I've already told you that mitochondrial DNA is, uh, you know, bacterial DNA, circular. It, it noticed that it would have exons or junk DNA slots, as you would call them, every 17th, you know, increment. So it was super weird. So math, again, why is this important? The nine comes out to have a number called the, um, there's a number for the nine and they are supposedly 322. And this is why it rang bell. And I thought that I would state it because it was really weird that I had that conversation like two weeks ago about what's your favorite number. So doing a little bit of homework, I noticed that there was a lot of stuff out there like skull and bones and 322 at Yale and all this stuff, you know, all these conspiracy theories. And this is why I said we're at a high elevation right now and it's a little bit, woo. Apparently, the number 322 had to do with the coding that they would do in um, paperwork. And so if you actually look at executive order that are 322s, 333s, they're all about war and um, the creation of society exchange information. So that's where I was going with it. Numbers tell us a lot. Don't we file things with numbers? Don't we code things with numbers? This is where it gets weird. And that's why I said today's show is a little bit different. And I love patterns. So looking into it, Executive Order 322 was about war. And it was about creating law and governance in territories that we own, like the Philippines or Samoa and stuff like that. Executive Order 15233, 15322 all had to do with providing more control to the intelligence community, more control to this fourth branch of unelected government. And so when factoring it out, here's where it gets weird. It's as if it's more on a tangent. Remember how I said circadian rhythms of the biodome or what you have during the day, you have peaks and troughs, right? It's like a living organism. Well, math is like that too. You can't have one without the other. Well, if you look at the circadian pattern of the way these executive orders are done with the same repetitive numbers, same repetitive numbers, and I'm not a numerologist or anything like this, I'm just telling you patterns. They all come out to be one in the same. But then when you add their frequency, when you plug them into a formula, let me just make it simple, it comes out to be the golden ratio. So it's super, super confusing. But it turns out that the fourth unelected branch of government may indeed be this unnamed entity that was formed in 1977, which totally aligns with the whole gold, I want to say theft, but can I say theft? Can I say theft? Actual tangible gold theft, but also with the emergence of the nine from back in 1120 or 1118, um, where they say derived, they could actually be those custodians. Because, you know, remember, I told you the nodes that we find were weird that there were nine of them, and each node represents custodian, the person that's going to facilitate that movement forward. Kind of like we predicted that in 2017, there was going to be a facilitator in the United States to move things forward. What I've been saying, how we predicted 
President Donald J. Trump's election is that we knew that there was going to be this huge custodian movement along with Asian nations and to in the Middle East, of course, uh, it just it's just continents doesn't doesn't like pinpoint on a map, you know, it's regional areas. So we knew that. So who are the nine custodians and why is it dependent on population would be the question, right? But then now we're starting to see that population control is actually something that is being spoken of in Europe as of last week, which was family planning. So the European Council, whoa, right? European Council this weekend was putting forward a bill in regards to women when they're between the ages of 17 and 25 to be counseled to figure out if they are going to have children and offer them the ability to see if they are genetically predisposed to diseases to avoid having children with genetic diseases. Mm. Remember how Europe already pushed that if you have a child with Down syndrome or anything like that, termination is obvious, or if you give birth to a child and it has a defect, you have the right to put it to sleep. Remember that? And how they created the ability for young people to commit suicide. Assisted suicide is allowed if you're scarred and you can't do anything. They will allow you to take your life legally. Well, now they've taken it to the next step. So in Europe now, they want to implement a program as of 2025, this is how soon they're thinking of implementing it, where women between the ages of 17 and 25, prior to even having to think about children, some people, because we're still kids at that age, right? Some of us may have babies then, just like I did, accidentally, willingly, whatever that may be. But that time we're still kids and figuring out where we want to go in life. So here is where population control kicks in. They want people to have mandatory free screenings and evaluations for reproduction. So those people that are transgendered, this is this is how they're packaging it. So if you're transgendered and you want to have children, you know, we can analyze it like this, tell you if it's worth it, tell you if there's a carryover, tell you, uh, you know, the genetic outcome of your child. Um, that's independent of your spouse, of course. And then when you want to have kids, based on the profile you have, they will assist you in having children. If your profile doesn't meet it, then you can apply to be an adoptive parent because they don't want children um, growing up with diseases or malformations and people should have that choice. So apparently in Denmark right now and in Sweden, this is a pilot program where people participate voluntarily to decide or predict how they want their children to be and they do genetic profiles. Now, here's the kicker. Looking into 23andMe and Ancestry.com, um, they actually use numbers like that because they want to use certain percentages without providing identifying information so that in the next couple of years, they can reach out to U.S. citizens you know, without knowing who they are through these companies that they registered to say that your genetic profile matches favorable outcomes, blah, 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 or strong genetic lines, we'd like to speak to you. How weird is that? Okay. This is why we took the flight on Virgin Galactic and I loathe Sir Branson, but you know, that's the only plane that goes into space. So we went into space in tinfoil hat land. I tried to explain the connections to the nine and how population control is what drives where the center is. 
So that would make sense as to how when we looked at Africa, all the nodes fell into Europe, except for one in Australia. But the minute we injected, you know, a formula to represent the population control mitigator, right, to mitigate for population control, like that variable, everything shifted to the United States. So I guess the power is in our hand to avoid some really bad dilemmas in the future. Who knows? I don't. But I thought that was interesting and I needed to share that only because I'm pretty sure this um, whole new legislation that's being rolled out and discussed in the European Union right now will be making headlines. On that note, I want to wish you guys a great evening from all of us here at Red State. I hope you enjoyed the flight into, you know, 40,000 feet elevation and then back down to the point. Eugenics, the future of population control, pretty weird. And I'll do some more homework on the nine and get back to you on that from all of us at Red State. God bless. Have a wonderful day. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. Good evening, my fellow Americans. We now stand 10 years past the midpoint of a century that has witnessed four major wars among great nations. Until the latest of our world conflicts, the United States had no armaments industry. American makers of plowshares could with time, and as required, make swords as well. But we can no longer risk emergency improvisation of national defense. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. Added to this, three and a half million men and women are directly engaged in the defense establishment. Now this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals, so that security and liberty may prosper together.